listening to the sound of sanity. The sound will continue for the duration of the program. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future for that is where you and i are going to spend the rest of our lives and remember my friend future events such as these will affect you in the future you are interested in the unknown the mysterious the unexplainable that is why you are here and now for the first time we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are bringing you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, Can your heart stand the shocking facts of grave robbers from outer space? I forgot that part. (laughs) That's a quote from the movie, the wonderful movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Folks, widely considered to be one of the worst movies ever made. The opening narration delivered and meant quite sincerely, I assure you. Anyway. He insures you. He, I insure you. For a small you. fee. Yes, for a small fee. I against, will insure you. Against watching Plan 9 from <laughs> outer space. Yeah. I will insure you. If you have a heart attack from boredom <sighs> and or laughter, which are the two things that will happen to you when you watch Plan 9 from <laughs> outer space. Uh, listen, it's a pretty funny, bad movie with uh, UFOs. And. And Bela Lugosi. And Bela Lugosi. Actually, Bela Lugosi died halfway through the shoot. And so, Edward got his dentist to play the Bela Lugosi part <laughs> with a cape, just no. holding the cape over his nose, like in kind of a vampire pose. So, you can see his face because his, I guess his dentist's forehead vaguely looked like Bela Lugosi's forehead. It's a very bad UFO movie and a very great intro for probably the best episode of Sound of Sanity that you've ever heard, friend. And let me introduce all the friends. I'm your friend, Nathan, your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben Solzer right there. I'm your friend, Ben. Hey, Ben, there's another friend, a friend to both of us and a friend to the listener in this very studio, Top Secret Studio B. Why don't you introduce that? Well, I will because right now he's unknown. And friends, you're interested in the unknown. (laughs) Yes, the great unknown, Pastor Jake Menzel. Right. I come in peace. And now, now, now he's known. Not as interesting anymore. None of us are now. Still great, though. Yeah, still great. Still great. But not interesting. None of us are. So, Hey, guys. <sighs> UFOs are in the news. UAPs, I think they're called. UAPs. That's right. What is UAPs? Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. I still call them UFOs. I understand. There's no Pluto, and dinosaurs have feathers, and... UFOs are now UAPs, but in my little neck of the woods, we still do things by, not the book, I guess, but by the old books, Usborne books of facts from when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So much of what I learned that was fun was from those books, and I don't want to change it. Usborne books are great. Yeah, those were great. I like reptilian dinosaurs, and I like UFOs, and dang it all, I like Pluto. Why are we doing an episode on a UFOs, gentlemen? I mean, they've been in the news and the government, the U.S. government is kind yeah, of talking Trump about them a little a bit more. So Trump set a date of declassifying a bunch of intel about unidentified aerial phenomena and mm. things like that. Little videos have come out or leaked that the government in one form or another is admitted they don't know what they are, and but the videos are legit and there are all kinds of unexplained phenomena out there that they encounter on a regular basis mm-hmm. that is just not a good explanation for. And the stories that that have been told tongue-in-cheek and on late nights, sci-fi or whatever stuff, is they're gaining traction and credibility. In our out-of-this-world lead today, the U.S. government knows 
Something unexplained is out there. Next month, we may get answers. The Pentagon has until late June to tell Congress in an unclassified report what it knows about unidentified flying objects. Now, to be clear, the government is still being very secretive about what the heck may be out there, but it has been more forthcoming in recent years, confirming that it is at least investigating sightings, including photos and video taken by naval personnel. You, you could see a Navy pilot blown away by in Bizarre when his infrared camera captured an object in the Atlantic Ocean in 2015. Oh my gosh. We're going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. So look at that thing. People are really interested and intrigued, and a lot of people think there's been enough smoke now that maybe there's some kind of fire somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, a lot uh, of smoke. A lot of smoke. Joe Rogan is one of the people, I think, probably most key to legitimizing, even thinking and talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. The people that he interviews and brings onto his show and his own personal fascination with it all. Yep. And he'll talk to your Alex Joneses and your... Air Force pilots or whatever, Navy pilots that have seen things and have them on to crypto archaeologists like Graham Hancock about ancient civilizations Mm -hmm. and the commonalities between the little gray men or little gray elves across cultures and potentially depicted in cave drawings and glyphs and things like that. And experienced through ayahuasca trips and DMT and weird stuff like that too, apparently. Got to open up your mind, Jake. Yeah. Interdimensional beings, mm. demons, sprites, aliens, it's watchers. A, watch, yeah, yeah, the watchers. Yeah, sounds like all the stuff that you see in the paranormal section of your local Barnes and Nobles or whatever they call that section. Yeah. But the weird stuff thing is when I was growing up, and when certainly- Indiana in his, Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal yeah, Skull. Yeah, Indiana Jones. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. This used to be the province of new age hippie types in the 70s when, when the last right. really big boom, when Close Encounters was coming out, when we had all the, the, the big boom of all this paranormal stuff. Weirdly now, or maybe not so weirdly, I don't know. And I don't know whether we'll litigate this on the podcast today. I suppose we probably will one way or another. But- it's as much the province of the kind of alt-conservative crowd, the Joe Rogan crowd. The I mean, those guys are. It's just the alt, alt crowd on either side. Right. Mm. Really interested in this stuff. Everything from connecting it to psychedelic uh, experiences to alt histories. And then, yeah, just a governmental conspiracy of it all. Well, we're going to talk about what a Christian should make of all of this. I don't know that we'll necessarily settle the legitimacy of UFOs today on the podcast, but we'll give you some nice mental handles to kind of think about the whole thing. But first, we need to give a history of UFOs in a little segment that we are calling, just a second, I'm getting the memo here right now, we are calling it the History of UFOs. Welcome to Earth. Welcome everyone to The History history of UFOs. UFOs. True or false, Nathan and Jake, we have the best segment names in podcast history. False, Ben, old chum. We have the best segment names in segment name history. Oh, Jake, (laughs) you are a card. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of cards, let's talk about what the deal is with UFOs. (laughs) (laughs) Deal. I think every one of us has been replaced with aliens. <laughs> that, that's why we're talking this way. <laughs> aliens? Us? Is this one of your Earth jokes? Um, that's a line from another terrible. Anyway. That's a line so, from another terrible. <laughs> another terrible thing. <laughs> so, people have speculated about extraterrestrial life since at least the ancient Greeks. That's right, Ben. People have speculated about extraterrestrial life since at least the ancient Greeks. But... People really started to speculate about it in the aftermath of a little dude named Copernicus. Yeah, so if Earth wasn't the center of the universe, we've had a Copernican revolution and everything revolves around the sun instead of the Earth, then, I don't know, maybe there could be other life out there, too, since we're not the center of things. Yeah. And astronomy advanced over the centuries, and we got more insight into the world of the cosmos. But as fast as people could come up with more facts about the cosmos in which we live, 
other people could come up with more fictions about the cosmos. And so people just kept speculating and speculating all the way up to 1897 when a dude named H.G. Wells published a little book you might have heard of called War of the Worlds. So War of the Worlds came out prior to World War One, but in the years directly before it. So there was already a lot of anxiety building up in places like England about foreign invasion from places like Germany. And so foreign invasion from men from Mars or wherever was a way to process that. Yeah, there's a whole genre of invasion literature. Over 400 works of fiction. And that gets us up to 1914, when the anxieties and the zeitgeist that generated all that fiction bubbled into a real world war. So the genius of H.G. Wells was to combine the anxieties of invasion literature with this metaphorical other, a malevolent extraterrestrial super intelligence, somebody out there that wasn't Germany or Russia or Italy or France or whatever. No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. That as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacency, men went to and fro over this globe about their little affairs, serene in their assurance of their empire over matter. Yet, across the gulf of space, minds that are to our minds, as ours are to those of the beasts that perish, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes, and slowly and surely, drew their plans against us. And H.G. Wells and others added in another element people had a lot of guilt and anxiety over, which was mechanization, the Industrial Revolution. So Wells describes his alien menace like this. This is a quote. Quote, a monstrous tripod, higher than many houses, striding over the young pine trees and smashing them aside in its career. A walking engine of glittering metal striding now across the heather, particulate ropes of steel dangling from it, and the clattering tumult of its passage mingling with the riot of the thunder. A flash, and it came out vividly, heeling over one way with two feet in the air to vanish and reappear almost instantly, as it seemed, with the next flash a hundred yards nearer. Can you imagine a milking stool tilted and bowled violently along the ground? That was the impression those instant flashes gave. But instead of a milking stool, imagine it a great body of machinery on a tripod stand. End... <laughs> Quote. First imagine a milking stool. <laughs> now imagine it's an alien. <laughs> He's writing in eighteen ninety seven. He's yeah. trying to give you a picture of this bizarre mechanized hmm. tripod scary thing taller than trees. Right. He's writing to people who were farmers. Right. Well, and if you think about the mechanized horrors of World War One and you think about the mechanized horrors of the Industrial well, if Revolution. You've, if you've and, read anything about World War One, just the horror of it, where you have this sort of old-school warfare meeting the technology from the Industrial Revolution. You have men literally charging into battle on horses with bayonets, hitting machine guns, and it's just crazy. Just widespread, brutal yeah, slaughter. It's, yeah, it's the dissonance as this new era of technological warfare was was introduced was and obviously some people scary. some people were surprised by that i mean nobody i think expected world war one to be world war one to say the most obvious thing in the world but we already had a lot of fear and anxiety kind of swirling around in the zeitgeist and it's really encapsulated in something like each hg wells war of the worlds and that's going to be a theme as we go through the history of ufos and as we talk about this is that a lot of shall we say real world anxieties find their way into these extraterrestrial narratives. Yeah. And all of this stuff gave us a lot of the ideas and associations that we have when we think of extraterrestrials. And that stuff is in our movies and it's in our dumb alien novels today. Yeah. Life feeds the fiction and then fiction feeds the life and da 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 da. Okay. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. <laughs> yes. Speaking of great works of science fiction. <laughs> okay. What happened next, guys, in the history of UFOs? Well, a major world event happened that reshaped the way we think about UFOs. A little thing called World War II. World War II. I've heard of that. 
Yeah, fun fact, World War II ushered in the age of rocket science. Right, so suddenly the idea of reaching the stars and the idea of what it might look like if beings from the stars reached us felt way more plausible. The ideas of H.G. Wells and War of the Worlds suddenly felt way closer to home. Oh, we we might have the technology to to do that. Or, to have, or if we have it, maybe an advanced civilization could have it ahead of us. Yeah, and so suddenly people actually began to see things like that in the night sky. Things like what? Well, for one, you have air travel now being something that's kind of beginning to become normal. But for vast sections of the world populace, it's not. So suddenly at night, you've got airplanes in the sky. So if we take completely for granted now. Yeah, right now, any any one of us could go outside and look up in the sky and, and the chances of finding an airplane or something up there, pretty high. But that wasn't true before. And this was all new to people. And so you have these little fireflies and things in the sky that were never there before. So that's one side of it. And then on the other side, allied pilots would be coasting over German airspace. And suddenly there'd be these weird balls of light hovering beside their aircraft. They nicknamed them Foo Fighters. But what were these apparitions? Were they optical illusions? St. Elmo's fire? Perhaps aliens from another universe? The world may never know. Hmm. But following World War II adds some more anxieties to the mix, and some of these stories put it all together and uh, mix in some Cold War atomic age stuff. And is it any wonder that UFO sightings started to take off in the 40s and 50s? Yep. One of the first really major incidents was in 1947. There's a gentleman named Kenneth Arnold who saw nine objects just soaring in the sky around Mount Rainier in Washington. And he was uh, quoted by newspapers as saying they moved like saucers skipping on water. He actually said they were crescent-shaped, but the saucer idea stuck. Thanks, Kenneth Arnold. Now, if you've heard of any UFO incident, you've heard of the one that happened near the Army Airfield in a little place called Roswell, New Mexico. That was also in 1947, same time. A rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel found 200 yards worth of wreckage. It didn't appear to be a known craft from this world, so the U.S. military said, well, it was just a weather balloon. But obviously, people were keen to speculate. Later in the 1950s, speculation ramped up even more when aliens fell from the sky across New Mexico Then they were tracked down and removed by men in military vehicles. Right. This is something that definitely really happened. The Air Force said that they were just what they called dummy drops, which they were dropping these dummies with latex skin and aluminum bones, who did in fact look quite a bit like what the kind of National Enquirer, the tabloid idea of an alien. But the Air Force said they were just dropping dummies to test to see how pilots could survive long falls. And then 50 years later, the military did admit that it was, in fact, a cover-up. But not a cover-up of aliens. Yeah, actually, apparently the Roswell wreckage, they said specifically, was part of Project Mogul, a top-secret atomic espionage project. Or was it? Well, if you believe the government. Which, deciding that is obviously a large part of the drama that surrounds all these kinds of things. Yeah, and if you do, they've been documenting and researching UFOs since 1948 under an official inquiry out of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, called Project Blue Book. So from 1952 to 1969, Project Blue Book documented 12,000 sightings. The vast majority of the sightings end up being identified, meaning we found a cause that wasn't aliens or whatever. Yeah, weather balloons, all of them. All of them were weather balloon. The 6% fall into the unidentified category. Yeah, so let's talk about the Robertson panel. After many sightings near D.C. during 1952, the CIA requested that the government get its experts together to figure out what was going on. Right, the CIA, again, this is trusting the government narrative, but again, the the CIA told the government, we need to figure this out. And so the federal government did what it did best and formed a panel. And that panel was headed by a guy named H.P. Robertson, a physicist at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, California. And they interviewed military officers, got together with Project Blue Book, 
watched old film strips, examined photographs, looked at all the va- available material on UFOs. Yeah, and, and they concluded that 90% of it all was easily explained by meteorology or aircraft, balloons. And that there was zero evidence for extraterrestrial life, at least in this documentation. Of course, the report was kept classified through 1979, which fueled extra speculation among people who like to speculate. Right. Speaking of speculation, let's talk about Area 51. We've all heard about Area 51. It's in Nevada. Brent Spinner works there, and they don't let him out much. That was a site. It is a site that was used by the CIA and the Air Force to test experimental aircraft during the Cold War. So yeah, of course there were lots of sightings near it. Lots of legends that sprung up around it too. And that concludes our exciting discussion of Area 51. They were testing secret airplanes there. Y'all. Listen, that's a pattern you're going to see if you dive deep into any of this stuff. Any given incident or series of incidents is going to have its reasonable earthly explanation. If there's any argument for UFOs, it's in the accumulated weight of thousands of incidents that all have some kind of explanation, or do they? Yeah, one person who doubted that you could really explain all of them away was the Senate Majority Leader in 2007, Harry M. Reid. So per the Washington Post, quote, in 2007, Senate Majority Leader Harry M. Reid called his colleagues Ted Stevens and Daniel Inouye, I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry, to a specially secured room in the Capitol where highly classified information was discussed. Stevens, a Republican from Alaska, and Inouye, a Democrat from Hawaii, controlled funding for super-secret Pentagon operations. Reid wanted the Pentagon to investigate UFOs. So this is recent history, quoting the Washington Post some more. Reed was contacted by Robert Bigelow, a wealthy acquaintance in the motel industry whose father died in a plane crash whose family reportedly blamed UFOs. Bigelow, who's a UFO enthusiast, owned a ranch in Utah where there had been a number of paranormal events. Cattle vanished, UFOs were spotted, strange magnetic fields appeared. A defense intelligence agency official wanted to visit, so he called Reed. His interests convinced the majority leader that it was time to get serious about UFOs. Continuing from this article, quote, It only took about 10 minutes to persuade his colleagues, Stevens and Inouye, to support approximately $22 million in funds for the Pentagon to start a program to investigate. Stevens is a particularly easy sell, Reed recalled, because as an Air Force pilot during World War II, He had seen some pretty weird stuff, including an object that didn't appear to be a plane that mimicked his movements in the air, end quote. So, Harry S. Reed, pretty interesting guy to go down the internet rabbit hole if you want to hear a former Senate Majority Leader who takes UFOs very seriously and speculates and has all kind of evidence and has his ducks in a row. I'll let you do that research for yourself, folks. But the point is that basically brings us to the present day because last summer the defense department announced establishment of unidentified aerial phenomena task force so they announced this task force and they said the mission of the uaptf is and i quote to detect analyze and catalog uaps that could potentially pose a threat to u.s national security according to the pentagon yeah they call them uaps now unidentified aerial phenomena the government. Anything to make a term more cumbersome. Quoting from WAPO, our favorite publication, again. I was being sarcastic. It's not our favorite publication, but they are helpful on this topic. Quoting from them again. As part of President Donald Trump's spending and pandemic relief package, the Senate Intelligence Committee, led by Senator Mark R. Warner, Democrat Virginia, included a provision calling for the Director of National Intelligence to help produce an unclassified report on everything government agencies know about UFOs, including scores of unusual sightings reported by military pilots. And that report is due out, they said June. So we're... Yeah, I think in the next couple weeks. In the next couple weeks. It should drop anytime. Still quoting from Washington Post, but they're quoting CNN's Zachary Cohen, who said... That report must contain a detailed analysis of UFO data and intelligence collected by the Office of Naval Intelligence, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Tax Force, and the FBI. According to the Senate's Intelligence Committee's directive, it should also describe in detail an interagency process for ensuring timely data collection and centralized analysis of all unidentified aerial phenomena 
reporting for the federal government and designate an official responsible for that process, unquote. So we're waiting for that report. It could drop any day. In any case, we're looking at the government admitting way more about unidentified flying objects than it ever has before and taking them pretty seriously. Ah, maybe as a distraction, Jake, while they plug all the sheeple into the Biden and Harris matrix of big spending and authoritarian control. Well, yeah, people have lots of really strong opinions about this and about what they have to say and why. Which is why Sound of Sanity is here to help. Yay! And that concludes A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. I read that book. Canada also kept a lot of UFO records. They're the only other country that's really done any kind of released declassified work on the subject. And so a year or two ago, they released thousands of photographs and things like that. It's also probably worth just just filling in, coloring in some corners here that the Pentagon and other government agencies have been kind of slow leaking information during the Trump years, during the last four years or so. They've just been giving us more and more and more information and Trump wanted it. And Harry S. Reid was pushing for it as early as 2007, but also maybe... The industrial military complex is just trying to distract us as they seize more control and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Let's talk about it, guys. What do you guys have to say about this subject? Do you guys have any, any, anybody here ever seen a UFO? Nope. Nope. Me neither. All right. Anyone in here ever had an encounter with the paranormal? No. Or with something that... Something, some unexplained phenomena. Mm, not that kind, anyway. Not really. Yeah, me neither. I've heard voices before. I've been alone and heard Nathan. That was when I was a younger person. I was 15, 20 years. One of those mem- memories that's pretty clear, but also... Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I remember it happening more than once. Pretty creepy. And it is creepy. And I, one time I even said, speak, Lord, for I am listening. So that's a thing that's happened to me, but that's the most exciting paranormal thing that's ever happened to me. Okay, so there. That's interesting, isn't it, folks? Now, what do we want to say in order to... I don't know. I guess... So, okay. The first point I will make is that we do not know. You, the listener of this podcast, you do not know for sure because... You don't know what the government knows and what they don't know and what happened. What we can know is that it's a big weird world that God made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that it should shock anybody that there might be some mysteries and wonders that we haven't yet uncovered. As, as Marvel movies like to remind us, yesterday's superstitions are today's science. And <laughs> they say that in every third Marvel uh, movie. And Yeah, today's magic is tomorrow's science. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me personally if any number of things that are kind of popular among paranormal enthusiasts. Things like ESP and stuff like that. Is ESP the one where you can read somebody's thoughts? Yeah, or you have... Or telekinesis. Like precognition. Precognitions. I, I think we've all had moments where we kind of feel like that sort of thing yeah. happens to us one way or another. If we were, if we were all going to dig deep and try to come up with what the closest to us touching on the paranormal would be, I think it'd probably be things like that, where you just Some had a feeling about somebody or, or like that, a sixth sense. True or- I'm sure a lot of that's psychological. A lot of some of it may just be straight up spiritual in a, a mm-hmm. way that we understand biblically. Some of it may also be something scientific that we don't quite understand about the way that our just intuitions and the way that we our brains process tiny bits of information and put together things that we don't understand. Our brains may be capable of much more than, I mean, our brains are capable of much more than we understand. Well, here's a really simple illustration of that from the world of sports. For years and years and years and years and years, people have always assumed that to hit a baseball is to see the ball and react to the ball, right? Mm -hmm. But the latest neuro research says the brain can't you can't see, pick up that baseball out of somebody's hand at 95 or 100 miles an hour from 60 feet away and react to it that quickly. You don't have the reaction time. It's not possible. 
what's actually happening is your brain is picking up a thousand other little inputs from the motion of the pitcher to his hand to his release angle, all kinds of things in intuiting, guessing, knowing what the pitch is going to be and where the ball is going to come. And that's just a practice that over repetitions that your brain learns to just decipher and interpret all of those things and put it all together. Hmm. And that's how somebody actually hits a baseball. Yeah. It's not actually watching the ball. It's, it's just all these sort of indecipherable intuitive things that you just, you pick up on. Right. And pretty cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And there's a whole, I have a book I've not read. It's called the performance cortex or something like that. Talking about all the ways, all the different ways that the things that you think linearly and logically. And so you think you see the ball, you read the ball, you hit the ball, but that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of things like that in our lives. Right. That, that don't work that way. And, And some of these things that can feel like a sixth sense or something like that can be the same, the same sort of thing where your brain's processing all kinds of data and information that you don't quite fully understand. Mm-hmm. And you have a gut feeling or an intuition that just says something's going to happen. Right. And if you're keyed in enough to those intuitions, sometimes you can be pretty right about that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And so I'm not putting it past. We could one day discover that when I wake up in the middle of the night and just have that creeping feeling that there's danger somewhere close by that my brain could be putting together 50 things to come up with a very accurate picture Mm-hmm. Of the fact that there is something. Yep. Even if it's just somebody walking by my house or whatever it may be. And so, okay, it's a big wide world. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go this far with lovers of these kinds of things. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if God just wanted to make a wonderful world that had a few extra surprises, a Loch Ness monster or a Bigfoot or a... I'm not, I'm not claiming any of those things are correct. I think there's good evidence there's no Loch Ness monster because we have the technology to just look in the lake <laughs> and see that there isn't one, for example. But we all agree that even if 99% of all this stuff is bogus, probably 1% of it has some basis in something... That we don't understand Something yet. that we just don't understand yet. Sure. Fine. Fair enough. But... Does that mean that there's going to be UFOs and they're going to come and come in peace and we'll, we'll meet this new civilization and they will be here to either destroy us or save us, which is pretty much all the, always the narrative of a UFO movie? Whatever unexplained things and phenomena exist in this wide, weird world in cosmos that God made are things that God made and exist under God's rule and authority whether visible or invisible, whether powers or not powers. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, God is sovereign. God is still God. God is sovereign over all things. And nothing is standing between God and the plan and purpose he has to build his kingdom in this world. Well, and I think we know enough about, from the Bible, about God's purpose for the world and God's purpose for history, we can rule out a couple of the most popular UFO narratives. Like I was just saying, there's not going to be benevolent space gods that are going to come to save us. Right. Nor are there going to be malevolent space demons that are going to come to destroy us. Right. Because we know history. We know what's going to happen, basically. I mean, we can argue eschatology on another podcast, but what we know... I mean, I I just keep thinking of Psalm 8. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. We live in a a God-centric universe and a man-centric universe, actually. We're not, there's not going to be a surprise curveball where we find out really the entire sweep of history was about some other group of beings <laughs> beings that's yep. not that's not going to happen right and so that rules out a whole lot of what people like to speculate about with ufos I mean, even if we found out that there was some kind of a creature that drew, drove a mechanized starship that was on the fringes of our existence what wouldn't happen is some fundamental shift in our existential standing before god right. in the universe 
And I think you have to be really careful about, I mean, I, I love alien stories. I've always loved them. I love Independence Day was the coolest movie when I was, <laughs> yeah, the age, you know, in 1996 yeah, when that movie totally. came out almost 30 years ago now, which is crazy. But I love those movies. I've always, uh, anything with UFO, I, I liked Contact with Jodie Foster for crying oh, yeah. out loud. I like 2001, yep. all that stuff. But so much of it is about touching on the divine, touching on the transcendent, all those stories are usually about we found God and he hates us and wants to destroy us or we found God and he really wants to help us, but we suck yep. somehow. We, we messed it up, <laughs> which make for interesting little morality plays and parables. He's and, trying to help us evolve, but we're trying to kill him. Right. <laughs> they came to serve man. Oh, no, it's a cookbook. They came to serve man. <laughs> My favorite Twilight Zone. Mr. Chambers, don't get on that ship. The rest of the book. To serve men, it's, it's a cookbook. No! 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 It's awesome. <laughs> to serve man, one of the great episodes of television. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the alien, we spend a half an hour with, we're here to serve man. And then the very end. It's <laughs> 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 So many of these stories and so much of the interest that comes from these stories is what if we met God and we already met God. So that's not happening. So I think, sorry if that's a bummer, UFO fans out there, but that's probably the most important handle that you need for this kind of stuff is there's no big paradigm shift that's coming with UFOs. Nathan, what if... What we're actually dealing with are demons that have managed to build synthetic bodies and upload their consciousness to them or possess those synthetic bodies. Or what if we are dealing with some kind of weird thing? What's the thing with the Nephilim and where you have these fallen angel spiritual beings who maybe mated with people or whatever? What if that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with? And it's all part of some weird, bizarre in-time scenario where the devils are being let loose to terrorize us all. I've been listening to Rogan, and there's this whole theory of this... The first time God came to destroy the world, the, the demons had come, and they had mated with, with man, and they created these monster, giant Nephilim, and there's this ancient global civilization with advanced technology and all this stuff, and it was out of control, and they were genetically uh, manipulating lizards and turning them into dinosaurs and doing all kinds of weird, bizarre, crazy things. And so the demons were running loose, these fallen angels, and corrupting mankind, and even corrupting mankind's DNA, and it was time for God to destroy the world with water, and now we're headed up to the destruction of the world with fire, and so they're coming, and they're being let loose again, and now we're moving towards, once again, an advanced global civilization. All in coordination with the demons that people are talking through, through their ayahuasca experiences and DMT. You are blowing my mind right now with your theological acumen, Jake. Well, it makes a lot of sense out of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, finally. Finally, finally a way to understand God's plan for humanity. It's nice to know that the message of salvation actually relates to us and to history like that. Uh, Look, let me start here. This isn't entirely the answer to your question, but let me start with a little ad hominem. I have never respected anyone who had those points of view. They don't tend to come from the stable element of society, from people that just have everything together. They've read their theology. They've read their Bible. They're loving their wife. They're loving their kid. They're giving a nice tithe. They're serving in their church. They've got all their ducks in a row. It's usually from angry people that want to make sense of a world that they've decided by and large doesn't make sense. And generally speaking, I don't think that they accept the actual biblical narrative as making all that much sense to them. And so they've got to find all these extra threads to tie together. In well, order the to... kind of, it feels like shoring up the Bible, honestly. Right. If I can't just believe in the Bible, if the Bible isn't just good enough, then maybe I can connect it to this and that and to this ancient aliens theory and maybe we'll finally The have... government's suppressing all this knowledge because it would prove the Bible was legit once and for all if... They admitted that they have these 
15 right. to 20 foot giant Right, because, because the testimony of God's spirit through the gospel is not sufficient to establish the Bible's authority. And we need governments to stop covering up things so we can finally know it's legitimate. If we can actually if somebody listen. rose from the dead and yeah, you're right. told us about heaven and hell. Right. If I can listen to an internet recording, like an MP3 of where Russians broke through to hell. Yes. And we can hear the screams of the damned. And it sounds like someone ran a Gregorian chant through audacity and added some effects, then, well, then I can I can have a little faith. I can rest easy knowing that Bible's not lying after all. The Bible's not lying after all. And if I can... I, for one, never suspected it was. <laughs> well, Jake, you're flipping. <laughs> Are you the devil's advocate now or the other guy? I don't know. Let me just start there. I, I have never seen these kinds of theories work out all that well in anyone's life. I, I can think of very few people who I'm just like, I respect that guy. He's got it all together. But have you read in Ezekiel about the wheels? Yes. The... I've read about it in the wheels. I Jake? have too. Have you noted the similarity between the beings in Ezekiel and the beings that are gods across cultures in mm-hmm. the presence of wheels? I've followed Facebook links with... Ancient origins. Ancient origins, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it all. I grew up with it all. It's. Uh, I've, I heard Benny Hen talk about the seven kingdoms and the dinosaurs being wiped out by the floods and Atlantis and all that stuff. He sat on a gold throne and talked to Paul and Jan Crouch and explained to them about all this stuff. This has been around for a lot longer than Joe Rogan. Some of us actually grew up with this stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it feels really cool and really mysterious and... Plato wrote about Atlantis. Yeah. He did. And the time period for Atlantis's demise is the same time period where we would suspect the global flood to have taken place. Cool. All right. Good. I'm glad that you got it figured out, Jake. If only the library at Alexandria hadn't been destroyed, it'd be proof of all of these things. Yeah. And then you'd know everything you need for life and godliness. No, wait. I think that was some other document that taught you those things anyway so it would sure sure be cool (laughs) can i just say jake's playing it pretty low key but i've i've never hated a devil's advocate (laughs) more than this one (laughs) what an annoying (laughs) okay cool i mean here's my real answer if i'm actually talking to that person okay great i'm glad somebody finally figured it out I thought maybe the Apostle Paul was on to something. I thought maybe John Calvin, Martin Luther, I thought thousands of years of Christian fathers in the faith were on to something. But I'm glad that you, Joe Schmo, working at 7-Eleven in the 21st century, finally followed some Facebook links and put it all together. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But the maps, have you seen the maps? Yes. (laughs) No, don't care. Give me my slushy. They're medieval maps that accurately map the Americas and Antarctica and stuff like that. And it's probably they saw maps from the Library of Alexandria that pre-exist. I didn't know I had them on the Ark or something. I'm going to need a Powerball and a pack of (laughs) Pall (laughs) Malls. And I'll get a Diet Coke. I'll get two, actually. I see you're running a sale. Look, look, I know there are some people that don't work at 7-Eleven. I know I'm probably being a little bit unfair, but honestly, the pride, the pride of somebody like that who thinks they are the one who finally figured it all out. They are God's gift to humanity, all because they followed a few links. I mean, honestly, all because they followed a few links on on Facebook, on Facebook <laughs> to Ancient Origins or whatever. Right. Read a couple old GeoCities websites. Yep. Watched some sci-fi films. Right. Saw a lecture by, by Benny Hen. I mean, Benny Hen was, was one of the guys that really was pushing this in the 80s and 90s, this kind of stuff. This okay. is all just new age stuff. Some of it's been repackaged for conservatives or owned by Christians. But all this kind of Atlantis Crystal Skull stuff has been around since at least the 1970s. Well, let's let me one up it. Let's say that there was an advanced ancient civilization that is what the rumor of Atlantis is all about. That was pre-Diluvian, mm-hmm. anti-Diluvian. Yeah. So the anti-Diluvian world was 
a an advanced technological global across with global trade and advanced technology and all sorts of things and the sons of Cain figured out all kinds of crazy things and that's part of what we have the record of in the Bible and let's say that the fallen spiritual beings were actively engaged and involved the gods of this world were involved in ruling the world and leading people into ancient technologies and whatever else all the cool fun things that you want to imagine mm-hmm. it's all true right guess what God wiped it out and <laughs> all that's left is a rumor and a speculation and he meant for it to be disappeared and it disappeared he didn't choose to say too much about that in the Bible because he didn't think it was important for you to know. He thought it was important for it to be forgotten. So let's take our cues from him. Mm-hmm. If you needed to know, you'd know. If it was important, it would be there. We have exactly five chapters of the Bible. Six. Six chapters of the Bible devoted to the time before the flood. Six. That's it. That's all. All we need to know about that time is right there in those chapters. That's cool. We can do archaeology and stuff like that and look back at our past and see things like that. But we only have a handful of pieces of the puzzle to put it all together. And at the end of the day, our job is really clear. And Jesus, when he came and he started preaching about the gospel of the kingdom, wasn't really concerned about Atlantis or aliens or anything like that. He was concerned about you dealing with your own heart and dealing with your sin. I don't know. First things are first. What we also know is that the whole New Testament is full of warnings of people who go on in their endless speculations and think about genealogies and mythologies. And I'll read this one. First Timothy 1 verse 4 only takes Paul four verses in his letter to Timothy to say, actually I'll start with verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And that's a refrain that's all through the Pauline epistles. And why is that? Because the minute you start to think about and get serious about spiritual things, you're going to want to, you're going to find that it's hard and you're going to want to distract yourself with superficialities and speculations. So you don't have to do the hard work of dealing with your own heart and dealing with getting your own house in order. And that's why it sounded mean, but what your first response to the devil that I was presenting was, I've never met the person who I've actually respected, who really embraces all these speculative theories. Because stewardship from God that is by faith does not go along with speculations, myths, and endless genealogies. Right. They, they, they're, they're, what's the word, when two things are against each other? Antithetical. They're antithetical, mm-hmm. right? And so I would not expect to meet that person. That person does not exist. I'm sorry, folks, if I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about this. I grew up with these people. They're very persuaded of their own rightness, very proud, and very just interested in these, I'll use the word, masturbatory ideas that they just like to keep speculating on so that they don't have to do the difficult work of just being disciplined in their godliness on a daily basis. And living by faith in a world that's hard for them to explain. Right. A world that has evil in it. Well, that's the that's the other thing that I'd like to say about these people. They are so in love with the idea of evil. I mean, they just think evil is so cool. They just think Satan is so cool. Now they would never admit say that. they they would never yeah. admit this. But if you pull up their geos, their old GeoCities websites, if I may uh, just be mean in my stereotyping, you'll find pictures of demons and Satan. And look, I'm I'm a repenting horror movie guy. I know it when I smell it. These people just want an excuse to read about demons and paranormal creatures and they, they just like words like desolation and abomination and they just think that stuff's cool. I mean, don't do this, but you'd be better served to just watch a horror movie instead of playing with stuff that's real. At least that was fictional. Well, is there anything else we want to say about this, guys? In times of instability in times of chaos, in times of an increased lack of institutional trust, Mm -hmm. trust in the institutions and authorities that God's placed over us, all kinds of conspiracy theories are going to abound and increase. People are going to 
uh, the, the less they trust those in power, the more likely that they're going to start coming up with wild theories to explain the difficulties of the circumstances and times that we live in. Uh, a lot of the eschatological, weird, dispensational, charismatic, quasi-charismatic hype that we grew up with was fueled by the Cold War. And a lot of what we're dealing with now is fueled by COVID and Trump and Biden and Harris and Bill Gates and China and Israel and people want to have control. Right. And they want to feel a sense of control. And if the government and the authorities in their lives don't give them a sense of stability and control, their church leaders don't give them a sense of, of understanding, their pastors and elders are not capable of providing them a framework for interpreting the world. If their fathers in their homes are not capable of that, people are going to start going off the rails and coming up with their own weird wacko things. And they're going to be untethered, untethered from history, untethered from scripture, untethered from reality. Mm-hmm. increasingly so. And that's just what happens in times like this. And that's why you were talking about earlier, Cold War is when a lot of this stuff really took off. And it, that's because it was a scary time to live in. Right. We're, As was nuclear the, war the pre-World War One, all the anxieties that were going on when H.G. Wells wrote War of the World. People were really scared that, oh, we have all these new weapons and things are getting intense and the nations aren't getting along. And what is going to happen? And so people are writing novels about the Germans blitzkrieging through the UK before 50 years before the World War II. Yeah. And when, yeah, when, when people are anxious, they want something to look to and they want explanations and they want a frame that helps them understand the world. Well, that's what I, <clears throat> I've listened to a little Joe Rogan and that's what I hear from him and his guests is they want a transcendent frame of reference. The aliens are there, at least for Rogan and some of his guests, it's their gods. Yeah. Hopeful gods, probable gods, but it's still better than no gods mm-hmm. to have those aliens out there somewhere, probably, hopefully... Interdim- can, interdimensional beings. Right, interdimensional beings, hopefully there to do you good. Hopefully. But, and maybe but, some of them are malevolent, maybe it's a mix, and who, who knows? But Joe Rogan is a very optimistic and hopeful fellow. He's got very a lot of positive energy. Yeah. This is where his hope is. I think that's clear. He planted his hope there. Rather than believing in the living God. Mm-hmm. Well, the living God is actually scary to have to approach. And uh, Moses is gone. So, I don't know. I guess a golden calf. Right. Could, uh, and we'd all like to party anyway. So, we, we don't yeah. want to deny the historical reality that God brought us out of Egypt. And so, yeah. here he is. Yeah. <laughs> we just need a representation. Something that That's our right. stupid poor minds can latch onto. You know? Right. That and, is correct. And none of it, you know. And it's a good desire for us to have right <laughs> something right. that yeah it's a joyful longing of the golden calf exactly yeah, a joyful longing of interdimensionality <laughs> well, we're not so gauche as to think i mean we understand space travel and how far and how long or whatever it'd have to be something else but interdimensionality is something we can wrap our minds around i know i do every day well if you'd had a dmt experience if you had a ayahuasca or something like that then maybe you would have yeah. you read the Johns Hopkins studies about the universality of experience of these interdimensional beings across ayahuasca and DMT in psychedelic trips? Nope. Well, <laughs> see, you don't even know what you're talking about, Ben. Well, I've read the Bible, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these people are stupid. I mean, honestly, the Joe Rogans, the Mike Cernoviches, the listen, if people like to listen to them, that's fine. I've enjoyed and profited from the good things that come from alt media guys i I enjoy that stuff too to some degree but man when the real god is staring them in the face and they're like what's the dumbest most reachy kind of thing we can come up with for something to worship pretty silly (sighs) tell us what you really think nathan that's what a dumb person would say if they were sitting here okay any other thoughts guys i'm just gonna throw one other thing out there and it's just to mess with everybody's mind a little bit to make you stop. At least I hope that's how it works. If the government is a part of some mass conspiracy to cover up the existence of aliens or interdimensional beings, then what if they've let us know just enough about those beings mm-hmm. for us to be infatuated with them? 
and come up with conspiracy theories about them? What if it's part of its own disinformation campaign? What if it's all a big distraction? What if what if it's circles on circles on circles? What if it's turtles all the way down? What if it's layers on layers on layers on layers on layers? Point of that exercise is just, hey guys, guess what? You really don't know. You really can't know. But you can know the God who knows. Or you could be distracted from practical godliness and the actual crimes being committed in our society. Yeah, one of the two. If you were the devil, if you were an actual demon, what would you want? I want people to be fascinated with you. Yeah. And distracted from whatever was actually bad about you. Whatever it takes to distract you from, from godliness and from God and from the simple truths of scripture, it's all fair game. It's all fair game, right? Well, I'll throw out one more thought. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, historians, but I don't think, off the top of my head at least, that there is one major example of a government telling a big lie that it didn't also make its citizens complicit in. In other words, we kill millions of babies a year, and we've got our citizens, by and large, to believe the lie that we're aborting fetuses. That kind of thing you hear about all the time. You can read histories of... Talk of the, about an evil conspiracy. Right. You can read you can read histories of the Nazis and the, the, the Germans that lived right next to Auschwitz and saw the smoke and were made to be okay with it. You can, you can find those kinds of lies in Stalinist Russia, read about Mao's China, whatever. Those kind, history is replete with those kinds of lies. But the government that was secretly killing all the babies and just not telling anybody because they would have been outright... It's like, no, that's, that's actually... Way more work and requires way more government competence than any of us <laughs> uh, of us have ever seen. The, the, the much easier thing to do is just tell people, hey, it's okay for us to kill babies. Hey, the Holocaust is fine. Hey, it's your right for you to kill babies. Right. Hey. You're being oppressed because you can't kill your, your babies. Yeah, there are boogeymen out there that want to control your body. Express your freedom by killing your babies. They, they don't need to have some facility built where they secretly kill babies that's that's way too much work and the government could never pull it off hey you may think that you're a man because you have male genitalia but actually eh, you may think you're a woman because you have female genitalia actually eh, it's all in your mind man your 10 year old little girl who wants to play with trucks is actually a boy and we should do a surgery on her and manipulate her with hormones and if you don't you're oppressing her if you don't inject your baby girl, your 10-year-old girl, with hormones and mutilate her body with knives, then you're a monster. We have a large swath of our citizenry that's more than willing to believe those things, and you think they need to cover up the saucers? <laughs> they don't need to cover up the saucers if there are if saucers. If they want us to believe, if there are saucers and they want us to to believe the saucers, or the saucer men are good people? Just think it just... Tell us a big lie. They could just be like, the saucer men are here to help. They've managed to successfully <laughs> say, you should kill your babies. Right. Boys are girls and girls are boys and nobody is neither. And we've all accepted that. You've all swallowed all that whole. <laughs> Come on. What's... Yeah. Tell me bigger lies. We don't need what, what, bigger what are conspiracies. What the bigger lies that, you, that, that could be told right. than that? Atlantis, Jake. <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah. They have to hide Bigfoot from us. Right, they don't have to kill, hide uh, six, however many million babies a year. But uh, Bigfoot, they've covered that one up. <laughs> Come on. Good job, guys. You're giving the government too much credit, and you're giving humanity too much credit. <laughs> if there was a Bigfoot, we wouldn't need. they wouldn't need to cover it up. They could just spin it anyway, and we'd be willing to go along like the sheeple that we are. And so... You're just you're you're giving your government way too much credit, Mister Seven Eleven, clerk, with all your little the and, theories. And at the same time, not enough. Yeah, right. They couldn't hide it from you. More than likely, they couldn't hide it from you. But they could. But if tell they you, wanted to lie about it and convince you of the lie, take a look around you. Look at the lies that everyone believes. Come on. Yep. I'm really trying to remember, and maybe listener, you can tell me. Did we ever do an episode on conspiracy theories? Because we sure talked about it, but I don't remember ever actually hitting record on that episode. Maybe the government deleted that episode. Oh, no. Maybe they deleted it from our memories. Right. Maybe we're in the Matrix. We're in pods right now. And we just had that collective moment of... Oh, uh, oh they're keeping Yeah, that's yeah. it. Glitches in the Matrix, guys. Yep. Yep, maybe the simulation is trying to remove this episode even as we speak. 
possible. He doesn't want us Agent to blow Smith's up. Agent Smith's going to come knocking on the door any moment. And then we're just going to reset and wake up in our beds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Ben, what's your favorite conspiracy theory? I don't have one. I don't know. I don't... I, this is... I just don't think about it. It just shows how... What a sheeple I am. What a sheeple. <laughs> what a sheeple. What's an individual <laughs> sheeple? A sheep... Sheep shun? A... No, no, no. A sheeple. Sheeple. Sheep and sheep are singular and plural. Mm-hmm, but people is... Wow. Plural. Yeah, but sheeple is... Who knows what it is? Uh, Shershan? Wow. Nah, doesn't, doesn't really work, <laughs> does it? Uh... Jake, your favorite conspiracy theory as we close out this episode. My legit favorite one? Sure. Just uh, to show that we have a sense of humor or whatever. We're, we're, we're regular guys. We we like listening to Joe Rogan. and On, a, on an ironic level, the dinosaurs are demonic, <laughs> genetically <laughs> mutated creatures, that, uh. and that's why God had to send the flood. That's my favorite ironic one. My actual favorite one that I think would be cool to find out someday if it were legit or true is the ancient advanced global civilization that God just wiped from memory. That's, that's what Atlantis was. And that's what and, yeah. the memory of Atlantis and those things are. And, and even insofar as there's a spiritual reality to it, that it was the gods of this world, the fallen, were part of that somehow. That to me is the kind of cool, fun speculative stuff that would make a cool movie or a cool a cool story but there's a reason we don't know or why it's improbable or whatever so star wars makes a cool story you don't have to exactly build right. your build your life around it exactly right <laughs> trying to think what my favorite conspiracy theory is i do enjoy atlantis and ancient aliens and all that good stuff quite a bit but has anything to do with atlantis is fun and I used to to read a lot about JFK, all the that that Kevin Costner oh, right, movie yeah. where he <laughs> goes on for three hours just lecturing the audience about all the different CIA did it, or the I think the CIA and the gangsters and the and Cuba and they all got together to take out JFK because that's so much more plausible than one crazy person making a really lucky shot. Well, Ben's giving me a look as if to say, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, folks. In summation, we can't really know. Nobody does. Don't be a jerk who thinks you do. No benevolent space gods are coming to save us or destroy us. That's not the narrative of history that God has already told us we're in the middle of. Don't be a proud person who thinks you know all the mysteries of God. And the government doesn't really have to trick us about the ancient aliens that they've found because they could just tell us we found ancient aliens and they're awesome. Yeah, you just be like, you're not seeing ancient aliens. Those are pink unicorns. And we'd be like, oh, fun, pink unicorns. I like pink unicorns. I expected them to be more pink and more pretty. But I like them. Don't, and don't try and tell me, don't try and violate my rights by telling me they're not pink unicorns because I deserve the right to yeah, appreciate. Yeah, how dare you call the pink unicorns anything other than pink unicorns? I mean, what right do you have to define that for me? Well, I hate women, so... Clearly, and you're racist. And I'm racist. Yeah. So that's why I said that the pink unicorns are, in fact, ancient aliens. And what better note <laughs> to end the podcast on than that string of wonderful metaphorical content? Hey, folks, this episode brought to you by, by uh, ancient aliens. By ancient aliens. <laughs> Broadcasted from deep within the ruined, hidden city of Atlantis. And my name is Alaxtacorvian. <laughs> I'm an alien. <laughs> That's a very alien-sounding name, so I believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call me Bob, the destroyer <laughs> of cake. <laughs> yep. I like my cake. Bob bit the heads off all the band members of the band cake. It was really <laughs> disgusting. That's, that's not what. That's not why they call me this name. Uh, don't, don't, don't deny it, Bob. <laughs> Crud. Pop, you're such a liar. I, I, again. <laughs> I, as a Laxacorvian, have a rather antagonistic relationship with Bob. <laughs> you know that Bob is a palindrome. <laughs> Blow your mind if you think about it. You know, enough. Bob backwards is Bob. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is coming out about Bob. <laughs> All right. We can't, we can't <laughs> let people out. Let's tell people Bob's a pink unicorn. All right. Good times. Good times. Okay, yeah. 
podcast brought to you. I don't know why I'm trying to, all I'm trying to do is do my shtick folks. I don't know why I keep going to the podcast was brought to you by something. I never say that the podcast has never been. It's the aliens been <laughs> brought to you. Agent Smith is already erasing it. And yeah, it's kind of glitching. I'm deja vuing. Glitching. Deja vuing. Okay. Well, listen, we're not brought to you by anything, but if you want to bring us to yourself with your money, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Oh, <laughs> a wonderful place. <laughs> You're feeling very generous right now. <laughs> uh, oh, oh my, my brain is collapsing. I don't know. We've been podcasting. This has been kind of a long day, folks. Okay, so, yeah. You know what? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Stay sane. (laughs) (laughs) I've clearly not managed to do that. (laughs) 